Yeah, you're live, Biscuit. We're live. I think we're live. I don't yeah. know how to tell. I don't know how to figure out if anybody's watching this thing or not. We're okay. Live. 12 yeah. people. Outstanding. Well, we're, um, this is a, definitely not a, reg- a regularly scheduled episode here on the 3 of 7 podcast. It's, it is a Sunday afternoon, 1220 here on the East Coast, and we're live on YouTube. Thank you guys for joining us, by the way. I hope you're having an awesome morning. If you're listening on audio, this is a bonus episode with uh, Brooke and I because we ran our first race together yesterday, and there were a lot of cool things for me personally that came out of that, a lot of thoughts that I had, and I asked Miss Biscuit if she would come and do a podcast with me about it, and she was totally open to it, so thank you, baby. Yeah. Thank you for making time. I'm excited. To be here. This is the first podcast we've just done together in a long, long time. Yeah, because we have the origin series kind of telling our story, which I told you yesterday we owe we owe another origins episode. Like we, the last, I think we have like three or four years to catch up on, and there's a lot of wild stuff that's happened. Um, Those that, are harder episodes to record, though. Yeah, for me personally, they're uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, and and some of the. The stuff that will be in the newer origins, if if and when we do it, is some like more recent hard times, you know. And so it, I think we definitely put it off, but we need to do it. But yeah, yeah. we haven't done a, a an episode together, just us. I think ever other than origins, right? Oh, well, interview, but that's not just us. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh-huh. Um, well, a little bit of housekeeping for you guys if you're watching live on YouTube. I called Chili five minutes ago, and the hoodies are finally live on the website. All right? So, it's getting cold. You just can't beat having a new hoodie when it starts cooling off like this. I haven't seen. What do they look like? I'm wearing it. Is that it? Yeah. It's the it's the be hard when it gets hard hoodie. Nice. We haven't had these in stock since last winter. Nice. And so, we've actually had 500 of them in stock for the last two weeks, but... Chili wouldn't put him on uh, on the website because he was overwhelmed with packing the uh, the Tree of Liberty shirts. <laughs> so the hoodies came in at the same time, and he wouldn't sell them to anybody. So he's finally called up, and they're live on the website now for sale. Uh, go get you one. It's a good time to be getting a new hoodie. I got mine on, and uh, it is. It's a comfortable hoodie. Oh, this is what the back of it looks like. Easy, easy. Yeah, you can see it, kind of. <laughs> yeah. Awkward. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's part of being live. <laughs> um, hold on. Let me adjust these headphones real quick. Somebody said my girlfriend's gonna kill me when I order the hoodie. What? If you if your girlfriend wants to kill you for ordering a hoodie, I mean maybe there's something there I don't know about, but. You probably just need to order you a hoodie. Yeah, it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it in the end. Oh, speaking of that, dude says his girlfriend's going to kill him for ordering a hoodie. Oh, God. I know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brooke signed up for this race. Now, this is the beginning of the podcast. The podcast is starting now. Um, Brooke signed up for this race, I don't know, about a month ago or something. And she was just going to go up and do it by herself. Well, yeah, Darren at the gym, at our CrossFit gym, pestered the 
daylights out of about seven people to go. And most of us ended up signing up. Yep. And then Darren ended up asking me if I was going to go run the race. I went and talked to you about it. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to go. But there's two different options. You can run the 30K or the 50K. I said, yeah, I'm going to go run the race. I'm going to do the 50K. And I kept dragging my feet, not signing up, not signing up. And we'll get like a week out from the race. And I'm like, hey, Biscuit, I think I just want to run the 30K. And I want to run it with you. And you didn't like that idea. No. No. And you know exactly why I didn't like that idea. <laughs> Over there chuckling. You you are... I don't know if anyone can relate to this, but I am... I do really well with people motivating me and people saying, like, you can do more, go harder, or go faster, or you got more in the tank, but it's not you. Like, if you say anything to me along those lines of, like, trying to tell me to do something different or motivate me, it sends me into an immediate rage. Yeah. Yeah, you. I don't... I wonder if there are any couples out there that the the husband can, like, motivate the wife by like yelling at her and telling her to go harder and you know do more and go faster and or if it just if all couples are like we are where which it you know it doesn't work the other way though because like if you're yelling at me to run faster or to lift more weight or to to do an extra rep that doesn't bother me i don't think i do that to you ever i know I wish you would because it wouldn't you, bother me. No, you don't. So right off the bat, I introduced this idea to Brooke that I was going to... We've never ran a race together because we thought it would potentially cause issues. Well, and there's history there. Like, we played a basketball game together, what was it, two years ago with Chili and Kelsey and all them, and we ended up in a fight, like a physical fight. And we've, I mean, we've had lots of history yeah. on on doing events or activities together. So why did you end up letting... Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't let you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I told you I didn't want you to. Okay. And you said I'm doing it anyway. That is true. That is true. So I guess I only left you with two options. Your options were to either run the race with me or to outrun me. Yes. That would have been your other option. You could have just chose to run faster than me, and I wouldn't have been able to keep up with you. Yes. Okay. I did think about at the start when you went to the bathroom, I think I turned to Darren and told him I was going to disappear into the mass of people and just hope you couldn't find me. <laughs> this is boring, though. We need to get to the point. But we ran together, and it ended up being... Uh, I, I Well, you said I still got on your nerves. It yeah. ended up... I, did, I didn't... I thought it went pretty daggone smooth. I enjoyed it, but, like, I fell a lot. So did you. And you laughed. Like, the second I would fall, you would just start cackling from behind me. Like, Except for that one time that you fell. Because you got in trouble, and I told you to stop doing that. Uh, I don't know. The one time that you fell, it was a really hard, ugly fall. And I, I, I thought, well, that's one where I should probably ask her if she's, if she's okay. Because, <laughs> I mean, you went both knees, both, I mean, just boom, all four straight onto the ground. 
and I asked you if you were okay. I was proud of myself for that because mm. my reflex was to laugh about it. Yeah. <laughs> but but I had to uh I had to rein in that reflex and actually ask you if you were okay. To give you guys a little bit of context about why we're even talking about this. We're getting to a point. The main the so the main the main thing that I kept thinking about last night once we got done, we got back to the house. I was grumpy on the ride back to the house because I don't like sitting in the car. But we got back to the house, and that's the first time that Brooke and I have ever done anything like that together uh, where I got to see her, you know, I was right there with her and got to see her push through pain. Because there was a point in the race, this, to give you guys a little context, this race is called the Duncan Ridge Trail Race. It's on the Duncan Ridge Trail, <clears throat> which is a very infamous trail in the ultra running world. It's an extremely steep, hard, nasty, rocky trail here in North Georgia. And this particular race every year, what makes it even double hard is the fact that the entire trail is about six inches deep in leaves. So, you know, all the little rocks and roots and stuff, you can't, you don't see any of those mm -hmm. until you kick them or fall over them or something. Yep. And so you went out really hard, but then there was a point maybe halfway through the race where you had kicked three or four rocks, you'd taken a fall, blackened your toenails up good, and then your IT band started really really bothering you well that was what got me was my it band yeah yeah but you know instead of slowing down and just kind of hiking it out you chose to push through that and you even said one time you were like well this is a good mental exercise like i'm having to deal with this pain but i'm going to use this as an opportunity to continue to move as fast as i can possibly move and push through this. And so that was the first time I had ever just gotten to see you up close work through some difficult, a difficult and painful situation. Physical. Physical. Yeah. And it brought me, it, it just, to me, it made me think about, and, and I know you don't want this podcast to be all about you, but I'm just telling you how it made me think. It made me think about how far you've come in terms of mental toughness, the ability to push through this pain, the ability to feel and experience discomfort, but then still make the choice to keep going and not just keep going like a sad sack, but like keep going at, your, at the maximum pace that you can achieve. And thinking about how far you've come, because I'll never forget the first time you went out and tried to run after you got out of rehab. And I don't know, I don't know, what was that, like a mile? It was two miles. Two miles? In the Great Dismal Swamp. Yeah. And, like, you weren't having it. I almost died. I felt like I was dying. Woo, that scared me. I've literally felt like I was dying. Yeah. Two miles. At like a barely jogging. The and the but the crazy thing is, is yes, you are in much better physical condition now than you were back then. 
but you were still there was nothing wrong with you physically back then no so like the the big thing that's changed in you is your ability to deal with the discomfort that you're feeling mm -hmm. because i think that's what with that first run that we ever did when you first got out of rehab that two mile run what stopped you wasn't because your body wasn't physically capable of running two miles what stopped you was like oh this uncomfortable feeling that is coming upon me because of this running yeah i don't want to i don't want this well yeah it was against first of all that's against just human nature in general like okay i'm feeling pain i need to find a way to not feel pain anymore but that accelerates times a thousand i would imagine when you're a drug addict because i had lived for years and years always trying to stay out of pain that was my go-to you know i was always scanning and i didn't know how to be uncomfortable i didn't know how to feel stress physical or mental and just like sit in it much less push into it yeah you know because aren't you i mean when you're in active addiction aren't you aren't you like kind of just numb at the beginning there's a lot of highs but yeah, a couple years in for me, yes, I'm maintaining. I I mean, it is really a simple way to put it. I'm staying out of pain. Okay. Like I was, I was to the point towards the end where I was just avoiding withdrawals. I would rarely feel like a good uplifting. No, that's not a good way to put it. I would rarely get like really high. I would just stay out of pain yeah yeah towards the end and so how many years ago would would that have been that first run 2015 would have been the first run so that's about eight years then yep so over the course of eight years you went from the point of not being able to manage the discomfort that you felt during a two mile run to yeah. now being able to go out and do a 18 mile run on a trail in the hardest terrain in North Georgia, yeah, on the Duncan Ridge Trail, and I've done ultras, but this, the ultras I've done, I've gone out like kind of slow and paced, really easy from the beginning, and this race, we, I mean, I went balls to the wall. I just went like as hard as I could go. Yeah, you got third place, female twelfth overall. Yeah, so you ran really well. I got thirteenth. I got thirteenth place. Brooke beat me twelfth <laughs> place overall. Um, so what I want this to be, what I want this podcast to be is a, a encouraging message to you guys who might look at me or you might look at other people and the, the things that they're able to do and accomplish, especially physically. And you think there's no way I can ever do that. I want this to be an encouraging message message to you guys that, well, actually, yes, you could go and do that. Um, it's just going to take time. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to develop an appetite for discomfort and pain and struggle. You have to develop an appetite for that. I can think back on when I was a young man and I first decided I wanted to join the Navy. And I had to go and take the PST, the Physical Standards Test, with Frank Cutler. That was a 500-meter swim, 
max push-up, pull-up, sit-up in a mile-and-a-half run. And I remember that just being the most, that, that thing just used to freaking crush me. I mean, it, I would come home from that, and I would just sleep for the rest of the day. Yeah. And, and I, I just remember being so, feeling like I was just so miserable during that simple physical standards test that it, it was just so uncomfortable well, and so miserable. Can I ask you a question real quick before you? Yeah. How, did you, in your young adult life, it, really just your childhood in general, can you think of any times when before like starting the PST and trying to get into the Navy that you were pushed into those uncomfortable physical challenges that you had to work through? Or was that the first time in your life that you were experiencing? Um, well, for me, I think the only, I, I think the kind of the, the only thing that I would have would be uh, in working out on, the, out on the farm that I worked on, you know, before I joined the Navy. Yeah, there were some uncomfortable days out there. Yeah. You know, it was hot and it was hard work. And, and, but, but I just think, Maybe that gave me some very low level baseline mm -hmm. because the thing with that is, is like when you're out working hard, yeah, it, it's hard work, but like there's no, there's no, there was no standard like the, like there was on the physical standards test for the Navy. Yeah. Like if it got, if you, if you, if it started getting rough, when you're out working on the farm, you just slow down, you know, and you just got done what you could get done for the day at the, at the pace that was acceptable to you and the discomfort you were willing to bear. Um, so you just slowed down. Yeah. But the PST, it's like, okay, there's this, there's a hard standard and you have to meet this standard and it doesn't matter. Like the discomfort you're feeling doesn't really matter. You have to meet this standard. That's it. You can't slow down because if you slow down, you don't meet the standard. Yeah. Uh, but I had no, I had no understanding or appetite for that discomfort. And so you see me now, just this year, I've done a 360-mile bike ride. I've done a 250-mile race. I've done a 100-mile race. I've done a 30K race. I've done a 270-mile bike ride. I've done all of these really hard physical things and it's because over the course of what would that been since i was i was eight uh, 19 years old to now i'm 35 it's been a slow progression of me developing the ability to deal with uncomfortable things and continue to push through them yeah but it's taken that it's taken a long time so before you developed, because that, that was kind of where I wanted to take this conversation, like not exclusively, but just at some point was like, when you brought this up, I was thinking about getting started in building resiliency and mental toughness. Like when you have hardly any baseline and the only thing I could come up with, which I'm, I'm applying to what you're saying is having a why because you're not going to develop that or I didn't develop that love and appetite I like that word appetite for that friction for a really long time 
So initially I had to have a reason to do it. Yeah, I think there has to be a necessity. Yeah. Yeah, there has to be some necessity. I mean, I can see the necessity in why you started yes. working on your mental toughness because you decided, okay, I want I it's I'm I want to be free from these drugs. Well, what do, what's one thing that's going to help me with this? Mm-hmm. Physical fitness and exercise. And so there was a necessity for mm-hmm. you to get good at working out because it was used as a tool right. to help you through recovery. Right. And just to keep you mentally healthy. And same with you with the PSD, with becoming a SEAL. That's, that's what you wanted. Yeah, there became mm-hmm. all of a sudden this necessity. Yeah. Okay, this is what I want to do. Well, I'm going to have to get used to feeling this yes. discomfort. But I, I just remember, too, going on from that, going on and, and, and throughout my Navy career, even going into uh, SEAL training, how, how it just, my ability to stomach discomfort just gra- it so gradually so gradual it so gradually got uh my tolerance for discomfort got higher and higher and higher and higher but it's so gradual you don't even realize it's happening at least that that was my experience yeah like c- coming to the point that I am now to where I can go out and run a 250 mile race which was really really uncomfortable yeah like like beyond words uncomfortable but never but but in the midst of that never even having a thought about stopping never never even crossing my mind yeah to quit but that took that took 15 years man yeah 15 years to get to that point i can relate to the the momentum that's necessary like i personally just feel like the last two years i have started to be in a place that i'm proud of as far as my ability to sit in discomfort and i thought i think i thought for a long time i definitely thought in the beginning that i was going to acquire resiliency Like I thought I was going to like read a book or do a few workouts and like catch this special thing that like my brain was able to do when things got tough. I like leaned into it or like one day that was just going to click and I was going to understand, okay, that's what this means. Like that's what everybody's talking about when they're like be hard and, and do better and go faster and longer and just, you know, all that stuff. But for me, like what you just said, it has been a slow, cumulative growth. And I, I feel like I'm still growing in it. Um, like, well, yeah, I mean. Yeah, it's, I, think it, I think it will just continue. As long as you're consistent with challenging yourself on a regular basis in new ways. Um, I think, but yeah, I, I wanted to go back to that, that what you said, that it's, Mental toughness and resilience is not something that's just going to like appear if you read the right book. Like it, it, you have to practice it. It's also not something that you're born with. No, you know, I thought about this too. I totally agree with that statement, but I think you are super competitive. You are a highly competitive person. 
So I think that someone like you with this innate drive in you, I don't want to say it's easier, but I think it's a different experience for you than it is for, I'm not super competitive. Mm. And so I have to have a why because I'm not doing it to prove anything and I'm not doing it to beat anybody else. That doesn't motivate me. Yeah, yeah. Like my why has to be some benefit for me or for somebody else. No, I get that. Yeah, I w- I'm definitely more apt to expose myself to more discomfort for the sake of winning Yes. some sort of competition, some and, sort of workout. And I do not care about that. Well, I've started to get a little spicy now that I'm able to keep up with people, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's never my why when I get started. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. So I think what you're saying is that the mental toughness aspect or the ability to deal with pain and discomfort and all this stuff, you're agreeing you're not born with that. No. But there might be other attributes that that are innate in you that will help drive you into situations mm-hmm. or activities that are going to then build that mental toughness. And and the, I think, yes, 100%. And I think my main purpose for sharing that is for people who aren't competitive, aren't fiery by nature. Like, you can have that fire, too. You just probably need to go about it in a different way. You know what I mean? It's not going to be showing up to a race wanting to crush everybody there and that's what fires you and fuels you like you might need to search for what fires you and fuels you because that might not be it well that's interesting because i can't that that's a that's a tough one for me because i'm trying to think for myself if it wasn't for the sake of of competition and so many aspects of my life it has been if it wasn't for the sake of competition like what what could what do you use for fuel I have seen the fruits of, so my initial start into fitness and, and all of everything we're talking about for me personally can parallel with mental resiliency and emotional growth, like almost exactly like everything we're saying, if you were to replace it with that, it would work for me. Um, but I think over time, Initially, I just wanted to be mentally okay when I got sober. So that was my why. And then once I started gaining this little bit of momentum, I started seeing the fruits of fitness and suffering and pushing. And I saw the character it was building and I saw what it produced in my life. And that is the fuel that I use to this day is just the improvement to my everyday, to my relationships, to my mental health, to my ability to do something like laundry when I really don't want to. Yeah. It's the for my for my experience, it's the same discipline of like, wow, I really don't want to do this. It's not it's not gonna make me happy in the moment and it's going to be a suffer fest, but I'm gonna do it anyway. I don't, yeah. No, I get that, yeah. So, to answer your question, it's not the competitive. It's just the momentum of seeing mm-hmm. the result of this is a really good thing for me. Mm-hmm. I'm interested, too, in in how over time and, and 
microdosing this difficulty and 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 developing this mental toughness how has the literally the way you think mm-hmm. how has that changed because like yesterday when you kicked a dang rock 15 miles into this race and you crashed out on the ground and slammed your knees into the ground like six years ago <laughs> you might would have stopped like i don't even think you would have gotten that far but like if that would have happened in the beginning you would have been like no nah, screw this man i'm not i'm not doing this but now you literally got up and you started running faster because you fail because you fell down so like how how is this is there any anything in just the way that you think has that changed yeah um big time i think that a lot of that is not just within me either i think that i used to think that my body was a lot more fragile than it is and i still if we're in a group of people i tend to be more protective of my body than other people because i want to be able to go to crossfit every day i like i'm avoid 100 milers you guys all have been pushing me to do a 100 miler and i'm like no because i know it would mean a week or two off from the gym and i don't want to miss that grinding workout i do every morning aside from tell me what you asked me again how's the way you think changed or like the way the thoughts that you have when you feel discomfort yes like it's went from i knew where i was going now yeah so a lot of it is just over time realizing what i'm capable of but a lot of it is being surrounded by you and other people that I'm close to modeling what our bodies are capable of. Like, I, I can't deny that that's not had an impact on what I view that my body is capable of. Well, when did the switch happen from when it starts to get uncomfortable, I'm going, I, now I'm going to slow down, slow down or quit? It's, it's an internal dialogue because my, yeah. my mind still, I still, and I don't know if that will ever go away. My mind still goes to those thoughts. Like yesterday when I fell, I could feel my knee zinging really bad and it made me really angry. And I did want to like stop and just kind of like kick my foot out for a minute and kind of just move around. But I was like, it's fine. Like I, so the, the thoughts come in. You need to take a break. And that happens when we were running, when we were sprinting to the finish of that race. I got my heart rate up to close to 190. And I remember thinking, like, this hurts really bad. Like, I can't get air. I I want to stop. Same that I wanted to stop when I fell. But now I have such a good awareness of what I view as kind of my weaknesses and I catch them before I allow them to create action. If that makes any sense. No, it makes total sense. And and I think that's a it's a good point to bring up in context of this conversation for everybody that's listening. The the thought the thought of when think when something gets harder than you want it to be, the the thought that creeps into your mind to like, okay, I I wanna stop doing this. Like right. Not not because I'm a quitter, but just I want to ease this pain up a little bit. It's like, it's ingrained and in, it's who yeah. Well, I think I think it is. Um, I think it's 
part of the human body's self-preservation. Yes. Uh, the but the problem is, I, I maybe I'm wrong, but a lot of your a, a lot of people portray that they have like surpassed that level. <laughs> like like the like. I don't ever have thoughts to slow down or quit. I don't ever have thoughts to stop. Yeah, no. Like, I think people just portray that like you can you can get to this level where where I don't you know I don't even feel the pain anymore. Like, that's a line of freaking bullcrap, man. That that's for that's for Instagram. Okay, that that's for social media. That's not for, that's not for real life. Okay, because even I. And, and I keep going back to the Cocodona 250 because it's the hardest, most recent thing that I've done. Yeah. I mean, there's no telling how many dozens of times during that race where the thought crept into my mind, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. It, it was like, I don't, I want to stop, right? Like, I don't want to quit the race, but I want to stop and allow my body to con- calm down and I want to not feel this pain for a little bit and then I'll get back up and start going after that. Yeah. But I didn't have the luxury to do that. But those thoughts were s- still crept into my mind on a on a regular basis. And no matter how good you get, no matter how mentally tough you get, because here's the thing, as you get better at whatever it is you want to get better at, lifting weights, running, CrossFit, as you get better, all you're all you're going to do is you're going to keep taking the level up a notch. You're going to go from running a 10K to a 50K, to a 50-miler, to a 100-miler, to a 200-miler. So you just, you just keep taking the level up a notch. And the reason why this is important is because I think... What people don't understand is when they when they have these thoughts when they're doing something difficult and they have the thought that they don't want it they don't want it to do it anymore they succumb to that because yeah. they start beating themselves up about even having the thought they let it creep in oh man I, I must not be cut out for this or have you not taught yourself that you have options like the, I I never knew that I never knew when my mind said you need to stop doing this right now that I had an option to be like, no, I'm going to choose not to listen as loud as it gets. I'm going to choose not to listen to it. Like, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. So when, when that moment comes for you, we're talking about building mental toughness here. When that moment comes there comes to you where you don't want to do what the crap you're doing anymore, you should be, you should be ready and prepared for that moment because it's going to come. Yep. If you are actually pushing yourself, all right, when that moment comes, that's not the time for you to beat yourself up about having those thoughts. That's not time for you to start thinking about yourself as weak or less than the people that you look up to. What you have to understand is that moment is the moment that we are all seeking, no matter what level we're on. No matter how mentally tough we are, no matter how much we've done, no matter how much pain we've experienced, no matter how much we can bear, the moment when we don't want to do it anymore is the moment that we are all seeking. At least that's the moment that everyone who is choosing to want to grow is seeking. 
And that moment is the golden opportunity because until you reach that moment, everything before that moment is just a, are just process miles. Everything before that moment is just to get you to that moment. And the only growth you experience is everything that you experience beyond that moment. I want y'all to understand this, man. That's what you should be seeking. And we're talking about this in, in terms of fitness, but this can be applied on, on the mental toughness can be applied on so many other spectrums of, than fitness. You know, I told you guys the other day, I was feeling burned out on, on work and, and the podcasting and 307 Project. And, you know, I, I, I saw people comment, well, oh man, it's, you know, it was sad to see that Chad said he was burned out on doing this stuff, man. No, that's what I want. I want to be doing crap that is pushing me to the point that I don't want to do it anymore. You know what I feel like when I don't want to come in here, sit down here and have hard conversations live for the world to see? Those days for me, that's what y'all don't under, y'all don't freaking understand how I tick, man. I want to feel that way because I know that that all the work that I've done up to that point was just to get me to that point. And when I feel like that on that day or that week or for that month, the whole time I'm looking at that and saying, this is it, man. This is, this is where if I just keep going beyond this, I'm going to achieve what it is I want to achieve. And y'all, y'all, your, your comments tell me so much about, about your mindset for you to, for you to think that, that, that I'm upset about feeling overextended, feeling mentally exhausted, feeling burned out. They're not, they're also like to, to just speak for other people. People aren't used to people being honest about stuff like that either. Like how often are you going to tune into somebody's podcast that wants you to listen and say, Hey guys, kind of burned, kind of burned out on this today. Like I'm trying to be real with y'all, man. Yeah. I think that's, that's the part that probably throws people off. They're like, well, why are you, you know, they don't understand that everybody feels that way you're just choosing to say it out loud to your audience i hate dude i hate complacency and complacency is the absolute enemy of developing mental toughness and resiliency like i can't like do you do you understand how easy it would for it would be for me to become complacent in everything that I do, it would be extremely easy. I'm retired from the military, man. We have a great life. I'm not forced financially to do anything that I do. It would be so easy for me to become complacent. And if I chose to become complacent, I would never have days where I felt like I didn't want to do this. I could carry on with everything that I do, whether it's training people, whether it's speaking, whether it's podcasting, I could carry on with whatever I do and keep it at a level that I was comfortable with. 
I freaking hate complacency because I know in the midst of complacency, I am growing weaker by the minute. In the midst of complacency, I will never experience something new because you never get to that point where you say, I don't want to do this anymore if you're operating at a level that allows you to stay comfortable and complacent. It's the golden freaking moment, man. It's not the moment where you beat yourself up for having those thoughts because, because your, favorite, your favorite social media influencer doesn't have those thoughts ever, right? No, bull crap, man. He just never freaking told you about them. That's all it is. He never told you about them. Well, it's the same, it's the same thing about people not talking about having feelings about wanting to quit. People, you're just not going to, that's not cool. That's not, that's not portraying the image that is celebrated at the time. You know, you know? that's interesting to me too, man, because people ask me all the time. They say, they, people have asked me before, did you ever want to quit in SEAL training? No, never did. Never even thought about quitting. Did you ever want to quit during 250 mile race? No, never thought about quitting. Did you ever want to quit during TNGA? Heck no. Physical things don't bring me to the point that I want to quit because I like doing physical things, right? If you want to ask me, was there ever a moment you wanted to quit in your marriage? Yeah. <laughs> if you want to ask me, was there ever a moment you wanted to quit in business? Yeah. In relationships in general. Yeah. All right. That's why we're talking about this This. That's, that just brings me back to the point that I made earlier. This forging, this ability to push through discomfort is not just physical discomfort. Mm -mm. It's not just so you can win at your CrossFit workout or win your race. It's so that you can achieve in all aspects of your life. It's so that you won't quit in all aspects of your life. They And they all support one another. Mm-hmm. That's why it's important. Yeah. I, I, this Sorry, is, I hijacked the conversation. That's okay. You got a little fired up. Um, the uh, That really kind of cliche statement is like, how you do something is how you do everything. Is that what it says? I don't know. How you do one thing is how you do everything. I don't know. Yeah, I've heard Jesse say that before. Yeah, and yeah. that kind of makes me think about what you are saying. And that's... That's what I try to do with resiliency or mental toughness is like the same things that we're talking about. I try to apply it to my mental, emotional growth or like I said, like my job or even just things around our house. Just the same mindset of like what thoughts are creeping in. Do I want to respond? Like, do I want to do what my brain is telling me to do uh, better example right now i think you and i both are working on our character and just our our thought patterns that we don't like and and the things about our personalities that we want to be better at and you're talking about you're doing a physical challenge and your mind says quit or you need to stop this is uncomfortable and you've already you know that about yourself and you've already prepared for that moment. And when that moment comes, you're ready 
you identify it and you say, no, I know what's good for me. I know what I want to do. So I'm going to keep going. And it's like learning to be a better person is knowing those parts about yourself that are weak in your personality, maybe how you treat others, how you respond in relationships, what are your defense mechanisms. And if you know those things about yourself and you can see them coming, you can catch them. Mm-hmm. And you can do the exact same thing you could in a physical challenge and make a decision, even though most of the time it's going to be really uncomfortable, you can decide in that moment to do the right thing or do the thing that aligns with your goals as opposed to doing what your brain is telling you. Mm-hmm. Does that? I feel like that was really long, but yeah. Well, there's another point I wanted to make too. I think there's a lot of confusion around, especially in the the younger generation of people. I think some people think that just showing up is good enough. I think it is at first. Before before you... Cause what, maybe at first. Maybe in the very early stages. We were just talking about how do you initially... Or that's what I wanted to talk about. How do you initially begin to build what we're talking about when you have nothing yeah. You have a why. But if you have a why and you just show up, how can that not lead to something? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just think I'm just thinking about this in in terms of the race that you ran yesterday. You know, if you would have just showed up for that race and you would have just kind of bebopped around and hiked it and you know, you can you can always just sh- you can show up and just you have the option to just do the bare minimum and stay within the boundaries of of what you're comfortable with. And there would have been no growth from that race if all you would have done is showed up and just stayed within the boundaries of what you thought you were capable of. And we see it all we and I and I applied this to to the the younger generation but apply it to the old folks that we know. Yeah. Like Look, man. I checked a box. If you're gonna go, if you're gonna go out for a daggone walk, and that's all you can do right now is walk. If all you do is go out for a walk and just walk at the slowest possible pace that you can, so that you don't feel any, you don't hardly get out of breath, you don't feel any sort of discomfort. You're not a little sore the next day, but hey, man, I got my walk in. You're not building any mental toughness. You are not building resiliency. You are not becoming any better. Yep. Just showing up is not enough to, to build mental toughness, to do what we are talking about doing. I even think in the, in the beginning, you still have, I, I get what you're saying, but even in the beginning, you still have to show up and you still have to go beyond that because, again, until I, I keep coming back to the point, you want to become mentally stronger, you have got to get to the point that you don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. And now that might be on your first ever one-mile walk down the freaking sidewalk in your neighborhood because you're 400 pounds right now. Oh, my God. That might be... You going from a 30-minute mile pace 
to a 28-minute mile pace, and you're getting freaking out of breath, and you say, dang, I want to slow down, but guess what? I'm going to keep going at this 28-minute mile pace until I'm done because I know I can do it. So just showing up is not enough to achieve what we're talking about achieving. I, I too, I feel like when we talk about it, it would be easy for my brain to turn it into like this big monumental, like, like when you're talking about it, I picture like this moment when I'm like running or I'm crossfitting and like, it's just this huge struggle. And I'm like, and for me, the first couple years, it was these, and I like what you said it earlier, micro doses. It was like, I would be doing a workout and in it maybe was a couple runs or it was a circuit or lifting. And I would just scrape the edge of like, Oh, that I don't, that's too much. And I just kept doing that. Like, it wasn't like I had to be like in it and just like dying and for me, mm -hmm. but uh, granted it took me, how long did we say? Like eight well, years. That, so. that would be the question. If you, if you would have, right. Would you have gotten to the point you're at now faster? Hundred percent. Yeah. But I didn't have the, I didn't have the coping to deal with mental or physical stress without a lot of work like that. I just didn't have it. But it wasn't. It wasn't these like really dramatic moments of suffering for me. It was like dipping my toes past the line of what I was comfortable with, and maybe you know I think definitely the time that I would stay there got longer. And then the intensity I was willing to experience got more, you know, as time goes on. But for, I mean, for me, for a couple of years, it was, yeah. But yes, if I would have leaned in harder for longer, sooner, I think it definitely would have produced results. Yeah. And that, that's, so that's really difficult to do on your own well, like I, yeah. I i almost that that was a I, I like that you said that because i think about myself and the huge advantage that i had was going through seal training because like i remember in third phase one night in in third phase of buds if you if the class got in trouble the instructors sent you down to the beach that night and you had to do something called camp surf and camp surf meant you slept on the beach and the instructor stayed up in the hell box which was their little building right there on the edge of the beach and every hour on the hour the instructors would shoot off flares and you would have to run down and hit the surf get wet and sandy every hour on the hour every night so in between you going down there and getting wet and then you coming back up and laying on the cold sand, you just laid there and froze until the top of the next hour and you had to go back down and hit the surf again, right? Like, I, re I can remember back then how much I did not want to do that. I, I cannot even put it into words how much I didn't want to do that. It was so cold and miserable it's indescribable so can you describe or can you like in that moment could you verbalize like what went in what went through your mind like was it immediately like when you had those thoughts of like i really don't this is miserable what what did you do with that 
did you just embrace it or did you like remind yourself of why you're there or like what no the whole time i just thought this is freaking miserable so you just sat with those thoughts you didn't try to like motivate yourself Uh -uh. or try to speak to yourself It, it was it was it was beyond it was be it was so miserable that it was like impossible to do that at the level that I was in terms of mental toughness at that point in my life. So yeah, I just spent the whole night thinking this is absolutely the worst night that you could ever imagine having. I mean, and that, but all that being said, in my mind, I had to do it. There was, there was like, I had to do it. I didn't have any choice in the matter. I guess that's the mindset that I, I guess that's a part of my mindset that I would like to know how, how that happened. Because that is the same mindset now that I carry into my big races that I do. Mm-hmm. I have to do, <clears throat> like, I don't, I, I want you guys to understand this. I go into these things somehow with the mental attitude that there is no choice except this. And I've tried to explain this before when I talk to people about when I'm standing on the start line of a big race. I'm standing there and I can feel the full weight of... Like it's heavy because in my, in my mind, I know there, there is nothing, there is no other option except I have to do this. And so you feel that heaviness. And I think if you're standing on the start line of something and you're saying, well, I'm just going to try, I'm just, I'm going to do my best, right? But I don't really have to do it like at any time i can i can just stop i can quit at any time i don't think you feel the same heaviness that i'm feeling on the start line 100 percent, no and i do that just intuitively like that's just i think i think that's a gift and i think that's something built into your personality that I think it's a cool thing for people to strive for, but just from being married to you and being with you for so long, I don't know very many other people who have that built in that's innate. Like you will get on, you're so front sight focused. Like you will, you always have something. You have to have something you're working towards and you'll find the thing and then you'll just, your life starts to revolve around it whether it's TNGA or a race or an event or something like you put 110% of yourself into whatever it is. But like, I don't, you know, but I, I wonder, I, I wonder though, if that is not from my military experience. I, I wonder if it isn't from when, when you join, when I joined the Navy and you show up, even just right first day, you show up to boot camp, they take everything from you. Like, you're, they take you, strip you down, like, take your underwear from you. 
Like you don't have anything. They shave your hair. They take anything that you could possibly identify with. And it leaves you in this state of feeling like I don't have anything else. Like I don't have anything else. I don't have, I, I no longer have any possessions. Like I can't just walk across the street and go home. And I wonder if it's not from that, from that experience, like just having, just subjecting myself to this lifestyle where everything is literally taken from you and you literally don't have anything, any identity other than what it is you're told to do that day. Yeah. Now, in reality, there's still some choice there. Yeah. In reality, I could have peed my bed and said I'm going crazy and they would have let me out of the Navy. <laughs> but it doesn't really feel that way. when it's, in, in the midst of it, it, fe- it literally feels like you don't have any other options. Yeah. Like, holy crap, I don't have nothing. I, I guess I have to do this. Yeah. And so I just wonder if over time that didn't, that, that didn't become the way I view every single challenge in my life. I, I view 307 Project the same way. Is everything in my life I view this way. It's like I have days where I could think, well, I just I'm just gonna I'm just gonna shut it all down, man. But then I'm like, I can't do that. Like I don't I don't ha- I don't leave myself any options. And I think that people would would achieve more would build more mental toughness faster if they would put themselves in scenarios where it is it is it's not as easy just to walk away from it. You know, that's one of the things I love about the the ROP course that we do. That's one of the things I love about the basic course. Yeah. You take you take these people, you take this team out into the wilderness and you get, we get so far back in there on the basic course that they can't just walk away from it. If they quit, they're just stranded they're in just the wilderness. They're just there. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and it's, it's the same way on everything we do. It's, it, it's the same way on the, on the ROP course. We had a guy on the ROP course, the Rite of Passage, quit <laughs> a few classes ago, said he couldn't take another step. He just sits, plops down in the trail and quits. And we're like, well, man, you still got to walk four more miles out of here. Well, guess what he did? He got up and walked four more miles. From the time he said he couldn't take another literal step, he walked four more miles. And I'm contrasting this with your personal experience of you like saying, okay, I pushed right up to the edge and then I backed off and I pushed right up to the edge and I backed off. Yeah. But if you can subject yourself to a a structured mm. training yes environment where you lose control of your options it's going to start making you think differently like when's the last time you on youtube when is the last time you were in a freaking environment where you were like this really sucks right now but I don't have any, like, I have, the, the only thing I can do is go, is go through this. 
Now, a lot of times life throws situations at us like that. You're saying intentional. But I'm talking about intentional training, right? I think it's really, really important to do that. And I think that is what got me being subjected for so long to this environment where my choice was out of the equation I think that's what got me to this point where now I stand. I, I've never DNF'd a race. I've never started a race, a trail race, that was purely based on my choice to, to keep going and not finished. Not all of them were pretty, but I've always finished. And I think it's, I think it's probably important for a lot of you guys to Start taking your, your choices off the table when you start a business. When Oh, what about when you get married? Oh, could this not apply to when you decide you want to get married? I think it's pretty smart for you to just start taking your little choices off the table. Because the less choices that you leave yourself the better your chances are when you hit the point that we keep talking about where you don't want to do it anymore. The less choices you give yourself from the start to that point, it increases the chances that you are going to make the right decision and keep going when you hit that point. And my mind is like going about all of the things this can be applied to. And the two that just popped out in my head is like, um, your job, but also self-care, like diet and just maintaining your body well outside of exercise. Like, yeah, it's just, it's so, it's such a foundational thing that once you get it, it's not all going to be easy, but like you have a blueprint, you have like a, this is the way I do things and you still come up on the friction of not wanting to stick to your blueprint, but at least you have it. And you're not always going to, me, I'm not always going to follow through the way I want to. But I don't know. Well, do you feel like you grew yesterday? Yeah. Yeah, I felt like you did. I was I was super proud of you, man. Yeah. I can see, though, yesterday I could see, I could see the benefit in a really long race because you talk about being patient or I'm sorry, you talk about being present Mm -hmm. and I am the person who (laughs) I'm motivated by like, okay, I only have five more miles. Okay. I only have maybe two more hours. I can keep pushing at this pace with only two more hours. And like, I kind of do a mental countdown in my head and I do that with, most things in my life that are hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple of times I, I tempted to stay in the moment and like not look forward and just, just do what, what felt like medium hard, what I knew I was capable of, but I wasn't able to, but I think about when we passed Blake that night when he was doing his hundred miler and he was doing the most awful monotonous loops at dry Creek midways through his race at night by himself and I was just thinking about 
how he like if he would have started doing what I was doing yesterday to get through counting down the miles you would quit because it's too long yeah like it, it would be so discouraging to be like oh I can maintain this I only have 60 miles left mm-hmm. like you can't do that with something that long so I, I kind of yesterday was great I grew but it also exposed something I already knew about myself but it really exposed it was just my ability to be patient and present is is lacking and and so that leads to the question how do you learn to become more present like that that so that's the golden question that everybody you know that that's the thing i stand up in front of people all the time and talk to them about this concept of being able to stay present and focused on the task task at hand especially in the midst of adversity and the whole time i know what these people are thinking well this sounds really good but how do i become more present that's what i was like how do i get better (laughs) at this yeah well there there is there is no magic answer it's just like the resilience that we're talking about how do you get better at becoming present it's forcing yourself into environments that force you to be present or you will not make it or you will be absolutely miserable the entire time one or the other yeah unless you can reel your mind in and focus on what you're doing it's the it's the only way and 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 we're talking and i'm talking about I'm at the point in my life where I have had hundreds, if not thousands of repetitions of this, forcing myself into environments when, and, and whether it's, whether it's on the micro scale of doing a 50 meter underwater swim, you know, you're talking about an evolution that only lasts two or three minutes, but when you are under the water doing a 50 meter underwater swim and you get to the point where you are out of oxygen and your vision starts to close in if you start to think about how far away you are from that wall that you have to touch before you can come to the surface guess what you're going to do you're just going to go ahead and come to the surface so in, in even in an evolution that only lasts two and a half minutes a 50 meter underwater swim it gets so hard you have to become so present that you're breaking it down to just the the millisecond like i know i can stay under here for a half a second more i know i can do one more stroke or if you're applying it to something like a hundred miler well if at 10 miles in a hundred miler if you can't stay present at 10 miles and all you can think about at 10 miles is that you got 90 miles left to run you're going to be miserable or you're going to quit so this concept of staying present can be exercised in a in a short-term thing that's extremely sharp and difficult and uncomfortable or it can be exercised in a long-term thing that's going to take a little bit longer for you to get there right the ability to stay present is extremely important in the process of building mental toughness toughness yeah how do you learn to become more present you have to put yourself in situations where you have to stay present or you're going to quit or be miserable that's it and you have to do that over and over and over and over again until it just becomes muscle memory it just becomes your second nature and then when you start to look too far far ahead, when this when this ability to stay present becomes second nature, when you start to look too far ahead because that will happen and you do that, you immediately recognize it because it's different than the way that you usually think. Yeah. 
you recognize it. Oh, I'm thinking too far ahead. You immediately recognize that thought and you put it to, you put it to rest. You just tell yourself, nope, we're here right now. This is what we're thinking about. This is what we're doing. You got to be able to do that. You have to. Or else you're just, or else you're never going to be able to do anything that's hard or uncomfortable. Well, I'm not good at that right now, but I've been doing things that are hard and uncomfortable. I think I'm just limited. I'm well, like, I would, I would say, you, yes, I would agree. Maybe you're not as good as me at that right now. Yeah. But you have been progressively getting better at that. You just don't even realize it. And the evidence is you went from eight years ago not being able to run two miles without stopping to running 18 miles in the mountains yesterday. I ran way more than that, though. Yeah. Just for the you, yeah. There's your evidence and your ability to stay present. It doesn't feel like I'm staying present, though, so that's interesting that you're saying it's like a prerequisite to perform. Um, I don't know. That's, that's, a, that's not a helpful conversation. That's just my thoughts. Yeah, it's 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 definitely important. So, but I was, I, but I wish I had a. I wish I was like, oh, just I wish I could be just like, oh, go read this book or go right do this, and you'll be able to stay present. Well, I I find myself, and I I was thinking about this while you were saying it. Let's see if I can make this clear and not like go off on a rabbit trail. When you were talking earlier about how you worked growing up and that kind of gave you a little bit of a foundation it made me think about how my parents pushed me into jobs when I was really young like 15 16 I was working almost full time and they were like one of them was a waitressing job at a barbecue restaurant that was really busy and if you've worked food service you'll understand we had a, a lot of tables and it was just hard physical work. Like you were on your feet, you had to manage a lot mentally and you were running the whole time. And I remember that. And my other, one of my other first jobs was at a dentist office and it was, the other one was boring. The waitressing one was just kind of, I was usually tired. I had been to school all day and probably didn't stayed up all night doing something stupid. And when I was young, having to be in the positions where I had to just get over it. Like that to me, that was some, some level of building that presence that I'm really grateful. My parents gave me that I didn't like when I was young was like, okay, you don't like this right now. You're bored. You want to go do something else. You want to go home, but that's not an option. Yeah. This is your job. And even though your feet hurt and you're tired and you're frustrated and you feel like you're not being treated fairly, whatever was going on it was like you're just forced back into like doing your job which to me was a presence yeah and 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 and, and that's largely been lost like oh. that opportunity has been completely lost on you know these these generations that have come after us and probably even for the most part in our generation oh yeah. it's like with these freaking snowflakes out there, man, it's good enough for them to just say, "Ah, no, I'm done because I'm having a bad day, man." If if though if some of the people that I have interacted with, the young people worked like that barbecue restaurant job I had, like if we messed something up, we got screamed at. Like there was no sugarcoating. 
there was no like this is what you're responsible for you handle it don't ask anybody for help and if you fall behind somebody is going to chew you out and it's hot and it's dirty and it's gross and you're on your feet for hours at a time and people are rude to you and too bad like if if a customer tells you like it just doesn't matter but like you're saying now that's nobody would last in that environment and that environment would be unsafe or un i don't know what label it's a they're totally toxic it. environment like your job yeah. we were talking about the other day how we're getting off but this is kind of fun we were talking about how a yellow jacket's nest how you used to go down into a creek to do the work you needed to do and you knew you were going to hit a yellow jacket's nest and get tore up but you had to do it anyway yeah find me one young person <laughs> that you could say Hey, I need you to go weed eat that. Well, first of all, find me a young person that will go weed eat in the middle of summer in Georgia. But tell them, by the way, there's a good chance you're going to get in a yellow jacket's nest. But don't like, they would be like, no, that's unsafe. I'm not doing that. Yeah. But like, who? well, who's going to do it? You know, but like you, you were like, well, yeah, I got to do it. It's my job. Yeah. But. Yeah, I, I think that there's more to that than we originally gave credit for of being held accountable to jobs that weren't our passion. I think that's such a good benefit for a young person to be forced into a job that is uncomfortable or monotonous or that they really don't enjoy. It's like, it's just a great foundation. And yeah. you don't have an option to quit. You can't go home when you need well, a mental health break. I was going to say that, but like. No, it's it's true. It, it's true. I mean, I mean, come on, dude. I talked I talked to you about this the other day. You know, why, why are not, why are more of these mental health professionals not forwarding all of their messaging with, hey, guess what? Before we even start talking about your problems, I want to let you know something that's true. This life is freaking hard. It's going to be hard. Yep. You're going to get sick. People are going to die. Things are going to suck. You're going to have to do crap that you don't want to do. And life is hard for every single human being. Yep. Get over it. Can I share something I used? I, I, I'm embarrassed to say I used one of your phrases the other day. I was speaking to somebody and they were... I was, I was speaking to them and I was saying, you need, I was holding them accountable to something. You need to do better at this. And they got upset and they said, well, I'm just struggling so badly. I'm just, this is going, I'm like, well, I'm fine with listening to people. So I'm like, well, what's going on? I'm just in so much pain, my joints, my body. I feel bad every day. And I said, well, how's your sleep? Well, I could do, I mean, I, I don't, I, I could do better. Are you eating like real food or how's your how's your diet well i mostly eat fast food because i you know it's just and and then i'm like well are you you know you're having joint pain like i've been there why don't you start exercising or lifting weights or and the consensus that we came to with me going through those things they said that all is really hard forming those habits and and learning to do those new things is really hard and I looked at them and I said, well, choose your heart because right now you're a victim. It's hard, 
But things are happening to you that aren't in your control. And you're choosing that. But you have a choice to choose hard. But it's, it's, it's on you. You know, you choose to work and push through the friction of forming these new habits and taking better care of yourself. And your whole life's going to get easier. But there's no doubt that that changing your food habits, your exercise habits, your sleep habits, improving relationships, that is going to be really hard if you've been doing things a certain way for a long time. But what's your other option? Just, just become a puddle because life's hard and it's too hard to change. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's a that's a legitimate option in uh especially in today's culture. Yeah. But you know what, man? I think this even goes back further than just today's culture. I guess it's always been an option. I guess it's just more prevalent in the culture that we live in today because of political correctness and this whole mental health and all and, and don't get me wrong, man, like I have a counselor that I go see and talk to and like that all that all that's good, right? But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna Well, can I say something that you why you see a counselor is because you are accountable for your own behavior. Like you don't see a counselor because you're weak and like you 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 do need help. We all need help. But you do that so you can be better. Like, you are choosing your heart. That's exactly right. Seeing a counselor is freaking hard. I'm if, not, not going to come in to work on Wednesday, next Wednesday, when we're supposed to do a podcast. I'm not going to not show up because right. I need a freaking mental health break. Well, yeah, you're taking care of yourself. Well, I have something to say about that. But the counselor thing, therapy gets so um, put into, like, this box. Almost the same box we're talking about, like a mental health day. Oh, you got to go see your therapist. Well, some of them are. Some of them, some of them propagate that. Yeah. I mean, I think you got to find the right person. Yes, but if if you are going to therapy with goals to become better and you're willing to get uncomfortable and and talk to people about things that make you feel gross and mess with your pride, you're going to be better. But what I wanted to say about the mental health day thing is um I had a relapse which I've already talked about. This is no new news. But I got sober in 2015, and a couple years ago, I got introduced to something called Kratom, which is a legal herb that they sell here in Georgia all over gas stations. And I hadn't, I didn't know initially what I was doing, but I was addicted pretty quickly. It acts as an opiate. But I had to, when I realized what I had done, that I had relapsed and that I was addicted to this substance, I had to take off of work to go check myself into treatment. And so, like, that's legit. I need a mental, like, I am taking off of work for my mental health and for my health. It's true. I really was. And I don't, I don't think that was weak. Yeah. But I think that it's, it's abused. You know, people, like you're saying, they, people feel this friction or they feel these sad days well, you're not sleeping well, you're not exercising, you're not eating real food. No wonder you feel like crap and you're anxious and depressed. Like once you've done all those things and you're working on those and you're still struggling, like that's the time to take some mental health days and figure out what's going on because there's more to it. Yeah, well, like, what what you're saying is yeah, in in the event in a in a catastrophic event, 
yeah, you might need to take some days off, right? Yeah. But but the average everyday discomfort that you're going to feel in life around all aspects of life is not a catastrophe. Like if Brooke dies next week, I might not show up for the podcast for a week because I might need to take a day a off. A week? You better be mourning for longer <laughs> than a week. Uh, so Jeez. like... In, 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 yeah, in the, in the presence of a catastrophe, yes, you might need to take some time off, but day-to-day life ain't a freaking catastrophe. And a lot of you guys are turning it into a dang catastrophe. Every little daggone thing that causes you any, any pain or discomfort. Well, and that's where we can loop this back to the foundation of like our conversation is, I was like that for a long time. Like when I got sober and I hadn't, I had masked these emotions of sadness, anger, anxiety, mostly anxiety for me. They hit me like a freight train. And I was like, yo, something's wrong with me. Like I, like I, you know, I was on SSRIs for a long time and I just, I thought I was special. And I thought that, People didn't understand how I felt, and most people didn't feel like I felt, and that I was kind of helpless, that, like, this was just how my brain was wired, and I was given genetics, and some of that is true, but it's all circumstantial, and now, you know, I don't take any medications, thank the Lord, that's new, too, um, but, like, it took me a long time to to empower myself that like, yeah, I still have seasons and I still have anxiety. I still have the beginning of panic attacks that I have to work through. But there's so many things that we have control over that can, that can give us power in our, in our circumstance, you know? Um, I, I was going to go somewhere else with that, but once I started talking, my mind just went, Whatever. Well, I think it was a good conversation. I think. Oh, are we wrapping it up? Yeah, we've been going for almost an hour and a half. That irritates me so bad how you do that. Oh, no. Well, I mean, we could keep going if you want. I mean, I, I just, I, I think what it boils down to well, is. Well, folks, all right, guys. Oh, my gosh, Give Everybody man. have a great day. Enough said. Thank you. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> Sorry, what it boils down to is what? What, what, what it boils down to is. Mental toughness is not something that you have to be born with. We all have times that we think about stopping. We all, none of us like to be uncomfortable, contrary to your popular Instagram influencers last post. None of us get to the point where we just absolutely love that. All right? But it is important Mental toughness is important to strive for and to try to improve upon throughout your life. How do you do that? By putting yourself in situations where the thing that you're doing gets so uncomfortable that you don't want to do it anymore, and then you choosing to continue doing it in spite of the fact that you don't want to do it anymore. And this is working out. This is business social this is your marriage if you're uncomfortable speaking to certain people or being the one to reach out like do it this is when your go-to dinner is some fat laden processed food 
and you know if you fix chicken or steak or vegetables or fruit that you're going to have that empty feeling where you don't feel satisfied. That's that's totally what we're talking about. Sit in it. Yep. Deal with it. And then and then you will be better at it the next time you do it. Every time you do it, you'll get better at it. Yep. The first time is going to feel a little squirrely and clunky. And, and 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 the reality is that most of the problems that most of you are probably experiencing are due to the fact that you have chosen to be mentally weak. I don't know where my phone is. Did you seriously leave your phone on loud? Yeah. But you gotta it. yeah, you gotta turn that off. What the crap? If could you imagine if if that happened and Blake or Chili were in here and they had left their phone on loud? What ration of crap they would receive. It's a dang real estate agent, man. Well, I like our real estate agent. Well, calling me during a podcast. Most of the problems you're experiencing are because you've cho- you've chosen to remain complacent and mentally weak in your life. Oh. And that's more than likely the reason that you're fat, the reason that you're broke, the reason that you're just, just a freaking lump of crap and all you want to do is complain about everything that happens to you. That's probably the reason. I, Go I, ahead, baby. I think sometimes the reason is that you were raised a certain way or certain life circumstances shaped you in a way that you got to reshape yourself. I don't think it necessarily means people are, I think people do make choices, but I think like especially younger folks or people who have just come out of something really traumatic and are getting their footing back. I don't think the guilt of like, this is your fault because you made poor decisions and like, that is a little bit true, but, I think circumstances can beat you down. But either way, the answer is the same. I'm just saying, I don't I don't know. Like, so with my addiction, would you apply what you just said? Knowing me and like going through that with me? Like, because I, when I came out of my addiction, I was mashed up piece of butthole. I mean, I was just useless. Like, so my decisions had led me to that place where well, like I, I wasn't being successful. I would if you asked that particular question, I would want to trace I would want to trace it back to the the origins of why you started using in the first place. So, if you would have been raised up in a in a in a different manner, if you would have um, had the right mentors in your life, if you would have had the right people developing you, had the right uh, friends, or what? Yeah, the the if you would have if you would have had people to help develop that mental toughness in you as a young person, would you have ever started using drugs in the first place? Now, the result that you experienced when you got clean from those drugs, the way you were feeling then is caused by the drugs you were using. But I'm looking back to, okay, would things have been different if somebody would have taken the time to instill the things that we're talking about here into a child in the first place? Well, Maybe so. But but what you're saying is contradictory to your previous statement about how it's it's people's fault. It's not always. A lot of times it is people's fault. Oh, yeah. Fault. Uh, well, yeah, I guess as a young but child. a yeah. lot of times... 
you are raised with certain things or like I said, life circumstances just impact you so deeply that like you kind of develop these bad behaviors and it just takes a while for you to like snap out of it. Yeah. But I'm not trying to remove accountability. That's never what I want to do. I just want to give grace and like, I wouldn't want someone to tell me coming out of my addiction when I was trying to become better. This is all your fault. Mm hmm kind of is my fault in a way but like <laughs> i don't know i don't know well i'll take out we'll take a question or two from youtube if anybody has since we have you guys on here on here um are you on yeah on here live i i have the youtube thing coming up on here oh there here's somebody that talked about uh smoking weed what? now yes so you know a lot of people smoke weed nowadays uh, <laughs> what does this have to look, do with our conversation? <laughs> That's what it has to do, man. I'll, I'll never forget. Um, somebody told me one time I was asking them why they, why they wanted to smoke weed so much or drink alcohol so much, and basically the response was, is that it's an escape from their day to day reality. It's how they wind down. That's so. That's, well, no, it's an escape from reality. Oh, sorry. Which, yeah, maybe that's what they need to wind down. Is that they that's need what an I escape from reality. Well, that is mental weakness. If, if you cannot confront reality, if you need an escape from, from, from your life, that means that you're, being, you're, you're just a little poopy pants in your life. <laughs> you, you, just, you just need something. That's not that's not real life to get you to a place where you can feel good again. My goal has always been in life in, in my life, my goal has always been to confront reality for what it is and figure out a daggone way to deal with it that doesn't take some sort of substance to change the way that my brain operates. What about nicotine? Nicotine doesn't change my perspective of reality. It definitely. It doesn't relax me. It doesn't do that's, any, that's any of lie. that. That's a lie. I smoked for forever. I know how nicotine works. It does relax you. It can help you stay awake. It can help you stay more alert. If you're really hungry, it, it can, not to the level of weed, but it can definitely impact your your mental state. Well, maybe it does. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel that personally. <laughs> Maybe it's because I've been using nicotine for so long. Then why don't you quit? And if you look at why, why did I start using nicotine? It wasn't because I needed something to relax me. It wasn't, it was because everybody around me was doing it. That's what we did. That's what men did in the South. They chewed tobacco. My grandfather chewed tobacco. My dad chewed tobacco. Everybody at the SEAL team chewed tobacco. That's just, it's just a cultural thing. The point in chewing tobacco is never you, you don't you don't get I, I I never did it for a reason to escape reality or relax or stay awake or any of those things. But when you use a drug that fundamentally changes the way that you perceive reality like alcohol or weed, that is that. not a comparison to nicotine. I agree with that. Yeah. So yeah, Gator, I agree. I need to quit doing nicotine for the sake of quitting doing nicotine because it's a daggone waste of money. Can we, really quick, just because you brought up weed, Andrew Huberman has a 
episode on marijuana. And it is mind-blowing how bad for you weed is. Right now, people depict it like it's some kind of great alternative, you know, and it's like a health. No. Like, it it affects everything in a negative way. I see all kinds of excuses from people smoking weed on here. It's just a daggone... Man, learn to face up to reality, man. Um... I don't see any more. I don't want to see any more good questions. Um, did you did you specifically say open to questions? Yeah, I specifically said it. Okay. So, all right, ten four, ten four. Well, that was a fun little Sunday afternoon podcast. What are we going to do? Go to the grocery store? Yeah, I think we got to go get some bananas and ground turkey. Oh, that'll be a good mental toughness exercise for me walking in the grocery store. You know what? Earlier when we were talking, I said sometimes I have to use these tactics to do laundry. Mm-hmm. I have to use them on the regular. Well, the rare chance that I don't order groceries when I have to enter the grocery store, I have to do it. Silence the me that's saying, you don't want to do this. This is terrible. YouTube, I love you guys. Go get you a hoodie, man. Keep Chili in the daggone dungeon. He'll be in the dungeon tomorrow. I got to go to the range tomorrow. If I stop back by and Chili's in the dungeon, I'll go take a little video for you guys and post it on YouTube. And don't forget about our um, race coming up February 10th. Trail race. Yep, trail race. Minimum distance is only four miles. So, I mean, nobody really has an excuse. You can hike it. You have four hours to hike four miles. Yeah, I'll put a link in the show notes of this um, yep. video right here it's if on you guys u- want to come run. It's on Ultra Sign Up. It's called 307 Project Trail Race. Or you can sign up for the eight hour, and what a grand opportunity that would be to do something to the point that you don't want to do it anymore and keep doing it. Because I guarantee you, over the course of the eight hours, you're going to get to the point that you don't want to run anymore. Trust me. There's a daggone climb on that course that's going to crush you. All right. Love you guys. I'll see y'all on Wednesday. Lord willing. Enough said. Enough said.